another thing that happened this year, of course, is that we had a lot of updates to the ORD protocol. We had, of course, recursion, reinscriptions, parent-child. We had the Jubilee ordinality. I'm just curious, what's it been like, and Aaron as well, making all these upgrades happen from a development perspective? Like, what has the past year been like? One of the interesting things is I think that some of these upgrades like recursion were almost like trivial changes because they were already designed into how the whole thing was built. While other things, I remember sitting with Raf in, I think, June last year and the whole curse episode, that was the most brain melting episode in the whole development that year because that was something we hadn't foreseen. How do we deal with upgrades to the protocol and what happens? How do we keep inscription numbers stable and all of that stuff? I think that was really the most difficult. And in retrospect, that's one thing that we could have maybe handled more elegantly. But I'm also really glad to see that we're out of that era now. Like overall, I think it's it's been nice to see that the whole protocol evolution and ORT client reference implementation has been quite continuous and quite stable and i think for such a young protocol i would say shown a fairly high level of maturity and stability and lots of props to casey for designing it and writing it to an extremely high standard of software engineering and architecture from the beginning that really made for people like me who just jumped in and were making moderate changes i would say working on a code base that is so well architected and so thoroughly tested is really making this this experience quite nice yeah, agreed with everything that Ordinally just said. It's nice that Casey had a pretty strong vision of the features that he wanted to add while still remaining open to new things coming in. SAT endpoint is an example of something that he was who wants that. I don't really see the potential, but a lot of people were really into it, namely like the cypherpunk guys were really into it. And now a lot of people are using it. It's a super cool feature. And I think there have been a couple cases like that where things have adapted to respond to the community. It's not too many features all at once for people to like not understand or not know what to do with. It's been a slow rollout over the year. And so creators get a chance to play around with the new features. And I don't know, I think we're finally at a place only very recently, honestly, where I feel like Bitcoin as a canvas and inscriptions as a new art medium are really emerging for what they can be. And it's just exciting that this last year we've all been seeing ordinals evolve and we started with just like PNGs and JPEGs on the blockchain. And now we have recursion and we have so many interesting, complex things being made that I think a year ago, a big reason why a lot of people faded ordinals is because they were like, what am I supposed to do with that size limit. I can't make cool art that's under that size limit. And now you're seeing so much cool art that has adapted to those constraints, partially just because people understand the medium better and partially because the protocol has evolved to include more interesting technical features that allow cool ways of getting around that. And it's just like, I, I've never been more bullish on the art on ordinals than I am right now, for sure. And Aaron and Ordinally, like what developments over the past year do you think were like the most meaningful or the you're most excited about going into this year? I definitely would say recursion. Recursion literally was one line of code changed to the protocol. It was taking a line of code that was very restrictive and making it slightly less restrictive. And look how much it's opened up. It's just, it's crazy. So that's easily what I'm most bullish on. Yeah, I would agree. I think that just the whole package of recursion and this kind of 
very limited set of APIs that you provide for inscriptions to interact with the Bitcoin blockchain, with other inscriptions, with things like block time, block hash, etc., makes for a really interesting set of composability and mutability in a very tightly constrained way with the set endpoint, for example. And it, just seeing some of the, the stuff that has been come out over the last few weeks, just developed by Quantum Cats or by the Pizza Ninjas, I'm looking at that and just from a pure technical perspective, just looking at it and thinking, wow, this is really taking like the building blocks that are in Bitcoin that are in recursion to, to the next level. And it's really exciting to see that. And I still think we're just at the beginning of, of what's possible to do because all of these things you can stack on top of each other and I think a year from now, you will be surprised by kind of what can be built on, on top of this canvas. Rindo, how about from your perspective, what are you most impressed about technically, about ordinals, about what's been built over the past year and anything you're excited about for this coming year? A couple things. I think on the technical side, I think recursion, parent-child, things that people are starting to play with like reinscriptions, I think are all super interesting and fun. Danny and myself and other folks have talked about wanting to do more skateboard tricks on the blockchain. And I think as we get more of these features, like it can do more stuff. One of the things that's been really fun with Quantum Cats is our whole community has been leveling up their understanding about Bitcoin script over the last week. And I don't know if folks saw it, but like Jeremy Rubin just started hacking support for inscriptions into Miniscript. So I think that the other big thing that's been really exciting for me is seeing how the tooling has grown. So whether it's collector tooling, great wallets like Xverse and Leather getting better and better support for ordinals, more marketplaces coming online. You've got businesses like uh, Liquidium trying to offer like financial services on top of this stuff. And then on the tooling side, if like Miniscript gets good inscription support, then we'll be able to more easily like compose inscriptions with like time locks and hash locks and other like Bitcoin smart contract primitives. I think that stuff is really exciting. I pinned a two minute clip from an held money pod from a year ago. It was the uh, ordinals guy goes to therapy episode. And in that episode, there was this two minute clip where Casey says something to the effect of what Bitcoin does is it removes from the state the exorbitant privilege of printing money, collecting taxes, and funding wars. And if you're worried that the government is going to come and take your node because of some JPEGs on the blockchain, then you really don't understand like what Bitcoin is and what it can do. And like when I heard him say that, I was like, holy shit, the most based Bitcoin podcast in the world is also like the most fun one to listen to because it's just like Aaron and Casey goofing around and having a good time. And I've learned more about astrology in the last year than I thought I ever would. And the thing I'm most excited about in, in Ordinals is it's like this Trojan horse funnel where the total addressable market for people who want Bitcoin because they're like reformed gold bugs and they just want to bury their Bitcoin in their backyard, like that market is saturated and like tapped out. But there's way more people in the world who want to like have fun and create things and do fun stuff with their friends and collect things and trade digital collectibles like that market, I think, is way bigger. And if we can get people who want to have fun with their computers into ordinals, then they end up on this like slippery slope of learning about why Bitcoin is so amazing and learning why credibly neutral Internet money that's safe from state level censorship is so important. And so I think. 
that's the thing that I'm more excited about than any individual feature is I think over the next couple of years, we're going to have this huge influx of new Bitcoiners who net net are going to be more technical, more engaged, more invested, and they're not going to scream at you at conferences about using sunscreen or eating vegetables or whatever bullshit they're going to yell at you about. So I think that's the thing I'm most excited about is I think Ordinals is like leveling up the Bitcoin community in a way that nobody could have imagined a year ago. No, May, go ahead. GM guys, I want to celebrate it with you because I feel the same. I feel that the innovation that happened for the past year on the Bitcoin, we haven't seen for many years and it attracted so many different crowd and different people that wanted to learn not only about Bitcoin technology as myself, I haven't learned about it before, but also is passionate about art and passionate about creating together as a community. I feel like we did a great job just pushing on different aspects of how we can do better and how we can create this system, as Raynell said, like financial freedom for ourselves and step away from the systems of governments that propose us and give us to chew. So right now, I feel inspired. For the past year, I have never been as much inspired as I was in 2023. And I was in crypto for three years and I didn't know a lot about Bitcoin. But when Ordinal started, it gave me an opportunity to really understand the tech. And I feel like I'm not alone on this path. There are a lot of people that were not interested, but with the movement altogether, we learned. And this is a beauty of of ordinals <laughs> and uh, thank you everyone for just like being a part of this community i feel like each contribution to this will benefit us as a whole and uh, in 2024 i went to see more art more tech <laughs> and i went to see more gaming i feel like right now we have a lot of different innovations on ordinals in ordinals protocol itself and i see already some gaming is started i know udi started this game with the opcats i want to see more people really innovating on bitcoin and creating some new use cases and i want to see this movement goes to the web too and to just regular people that wanted to understand crypto that wanted to understand bitcoin but they didn't have a chance they didn't have a tools. They maybe didn't have time or interest, but I hope with this movement, we can bring different crowd, different people. And I, I feel like we're building something beautiful and just happy to be a part of it. So thank you guys for 2023. It was awesome. 2024 would be even more magical and I'm excited about it. Thanks so much, Nomi. So Udi, I'm curious with the whole OpCAD thing, have any of the laser eyes been like, oh, like this is what Ordinals is for. You can motivate people to like learn about things and drive community. Has there been any change in reaction from some of these laser eyes? So there's been two types of responses. I would say some people quote us, some people verify us, but no, nobody ignores us. That's for sure. There's been a lot of people upset about how Ordinals are a scam and we're trying to scam everyone. There's a particular Bitcoin laser eye cat that is very upset that we're using cats now too. I think he's very unhappy about that. But look, you have to step on top of your game if you want to stay the top cat in Bitcoin. <laughs> but also, more interestingly, 
there was actually a lot of people who I think really liked at least the direction of using JPEGs to create interest around upgrades to Bitcoin. I wrote a long post about this over the weekend, but there's actually been a really nice response, even from like traditionally laser eye circles. I don't know if you've seen the sandwiches <laughs> that have popped up <laughs> recently, the Rubens. <laughs> We're, of course, like really big fans of um, OpCat. Uh, I think it's a really great upgrade, but also we're not sure which Bitcoin upgrade is definitely the way to go. We just think that any type of Bitcoin covenants that are a specific type of smart contracts, we think those are going to be really important for Bitcoin. And we think OpCat is a great way to do it, but there are others. Another potential upgrade that could enable uh, covenants is CTV. And CTV, you know, we've talked about Jeremy Rubin on this show in the past. He authored that proposal years ago and, and tried to promote it. And he got a lot of pushback that I think was very unfair and very personal instead of, instead of being directed at the proposal itself. And in the recent year, there's been much more talk about it, right? There's been a lot more interest in how to get it to work. But the problem maybe that they had is that it was limited to a relatively small circle of people, right? I don't know, maybe 10, 20, 30, 50 people who are talking about this. And I think that actually many of them really like the idea of using JPEGs in order to involve a lot more people. And if you scroll down in this Twitter space right now, you'll see, I'm doing this right now, you'll see there's a lot of people <laughs> with cat PFPs. We haven't even distributed them yet, but a lot of people are wearing them already because I think they think the quest for OpCat is cool and interesting. It's fun. And it really helped bring a lot of attention, not only to OpCat, but to the idea of upgrading Bitcoin and how the process works. I'm like, I literally, I cannot use my Twitter anymore because <laughs> my notification screen is full, like nonstop. Jan probably knows what I'm talking about because he's a team captain. He sees about half of these. I see all of them. It's just, it's insane. It's like, I cannot see any notification on Twitter. It's all full of ed educational content about OpCat, which is actually good and like animated stuff and videos that people recorded and like really good posts and not only in favor of OpCat, but also about the problems with OpCat and why we might not want to adopt it. So it's, like, it's like a really good discussion actually that's going on. Anyways, I think the other folks in kind of Bitcoin who are not into ordinals are looking at this and they're like, okay, you know what? This is <laughs> with all of how much we think that ordinals are spam and they're a scam and they're all of those things. At least <laughs> there's something good that came out of them. And maybe we can adopt that strategy too. And I think that's what the CTV folks are doing with the sandwiches, which I love. I think it's like fantastic. It's an outcome we didn't predict for this, <laughs> but it's really cool. And I hope that more kind of proposals adopt this method to get people to, to look into it. Because at the end of the day, if you want to change Bitcoin and upgrade Bitcoin, even if it's slowly and deliberately, which I think is what it should be, like you don't want to change Bitcoin from today to the next day in, in very violent ways. But if you want to change Bitcoin at all and upgrade it at all, and today it's a trillion dollar asset, then you need to have a lot of people involved in the process. It can't be a process of a small committee of 30 people. And they're not doing this on purpose. It's not like there's a group of people trying to secretly control Bitcoin. I think they just didn't find a way to scale the discussion and to get more people involved in it. So I think it's actually really important. I think that a lot of people in the Bitcoin camp 
the larger Bitcoin camp outside of Ordinals is seeing that too. So yeah, I'm really happy about that. Udi, I have a follow-up question. So you mentioned the sandwiches. So how long until we see people inscribing sandwiches on chain and having sandwich PFPs? You already pushed them in that direction a little bit. So when, Udi? It's already happening. I have a sandwich emoji in my username and some of the Ordinals critics are already inscribing sandwiches and making their sandwich PFPs. So the CATS initiative is working. God darn it, it's actually working. Yeah, it's honestly, it's amazing. I think this was one of the biggest ways to onboard like people outside of the Ordinals circle into at least the concept. And some of them are actually inscribing. I've seen some of that too. So, you know, it's a first taste for them, but... I mean, it should be obvious, right? If you do look at these conversations, then of course, there's a ton of people with cat PFPs and that support means a lot, by the way. I really appreciate it. But also when you scroll down the timeline, and especially if you're friends with a bunch of kind of developer people, then you'll see that there's a bunch of sandwiches. Okay, it's funny, it's a joke, but also it immediately reinforces in your mind that this is a real community. And they're really like, okay, This is the main topic I care about when I interact with people on social media. And that's very strong. That's very meaningful. And I think that's something that the Bitcoin community missed out on. On other Web3 communities was obvious for a few years. And I think the Bitcoin community missed out on that dynamic because they just assumed that anything that crypto people and Web3 people do it must be a scam. So they didn't look into it. But actually, it's a useful, productive dynamic. And it helps to form communities. It's not just a community about going to a club and partying. It's a community that has a shared goal and has a mission and is willing to invest time and resources into it in order to make it happen. I think it's really powerful. So I think that's great that Bitcoiners are saying more of that. Rindel, were you going to add to that? Any kind of Bitcoiners that you've talked to who this has been a turning point for them to just see what these communities can actually do? Yeah, everything Udi said, and it like the sandwich thing's been great to see. And I've seen a few tweets joking, Bitcoin 2024 is cats versus sandwiches. And I think that's actually the wrong framing. I think it's actually like cats and sandwiches are on the same team. It's like cats and sandwiches versus like uh, ossificationists and people who don't understand how Bitcoin works. But then I've seen some very specific tweets and replies and retweets like I, I wrote a thread about how the evolving inscriptions in quantum cats works and there were a few people who are like not super friendly to ordinals or at least weren't before who either replied or retweeted and said something to the effect of oh holy shit this whole thing is a giant psyop to like get people to have fun learning about bitcoin like this actually makes sense to me now and so that i thought was really funny like a few people I think are still mad because for some reason, if they see other people having fun, like that triggers them, like for reasons I don't quite understand. But I think a few people are starting to understand what we're trying to do and kind of direction that we're on and are like, wow, at least you guys are trying something new that's actually innovative. So um, it's been really refreshing. And I think there's going to be more of that as time goes on. There's more Quantum Cats like educational submissions rolling in kind of minute by minute. And I think as that stuff starts to snowball, I think a few people are going to realize that all the Breedlove podcasts in the world don't help you figure out how to scale Bitcoin to 8 billion people non-custodially. And maybe we need to like engage other parts of our brains as well. Jan, are you going to say something? Yeah, I wanted to jump in because we have Zeth 
in the audience. I see his hand up and it would be really cool to get some insight from Asia and maybe namely the Chinese audience from early, I would say early ordinals. And I know that Zeth got involved in ordinals pretty, pretty early as well. Obviously, mostly focusing on BRC20 tokens, I would say since March, but collecting even before that. Zeth, do you want to share some kind of looking back stories when you were involved in ordinals in Asia back in February? What was happening? Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, that's what I wanted to share with, with, with everyone on this uh, Ordinals anniversary is because right about a year ago, early February, I keep telling everyone about the importance of Chinese alpha groups or like just language community-based alpha groups because of the language difference. Like language is a huge barrier to a lot of people. And that's something I'm going to keep coming back to. But initially, the way I learned about Ordinals was through a Chinese alpha group, like a Twitter, like a tweet by a Chinese influencer. They hunt for alpha all around the web related to crypto. And then they would share threads about how things work. So the first thing I heard about was Bitcoin Punks is being minted. It's a very different way of doing NFT to download the image and you inscribe it yourself. And I rushed to office. By the time I heard about this, it was all gone. So I didn't inscribe any Bitcoin Punks, unfortunately. But immediately we started like a Bitcoin Punks Chinese community, just get people together. That's like the first thing you do when you see a new project is you start a group of people who own the project and then you share alpha from that point onwards. And then March hits and BRC20 came out and I think the market changed a lot since then. It's not really what I expected. It's how quickly things evolved. Like we thought BRC20 or the token standard was going to be something that gradually gets adopted into the more mainstream audience and accepted by general crypto investors around the globe and then exchanges maybe like a year later, right? But things happen so much faster. Gate was the first uh, CX that listed in May. And then later, like a few weeks later, OKX listed already. And then the entire Asian market just took off around BRC20s. So that happened much quicker. And I would say that the focus then changed drastically from NFT-based innovation to fungible token-based innovations. And all these different token standards became very quick to generate and to build instant communities. So it's not just BRC20, but also you know, Atomicals and Tab and like pre-room rooms and like a bunch of other token standards and then token standards on other chains, on Ethereum, on smart contract chains. A lot of the early adopters of these token-based communities are Chinese. And the whole narrative is that what you did, what, what happened with Ordi can play out again on other chains or other token standards, right? That's how this community really blew up. And it's there, there's definitely a spillover effect of some of this attention or money you've made from these tokens go back to buy NFTs on the Ordinals market. I think the effect of that isn't nearly as big as what I've expected, right? Like the NFT summer that happened on Ethereum isn't as big as what's happening right now on Bitcoin, I think. And one observation from one of my investors, Waterdrip, is that the same narrative never plays out twice. So this time around, like the NFT narrative on Bitcoin, it would be something different. So like an innovation of some sort would take this to a new level. But it's not just going to be purely NFT. That's it, right? It needs to be something that's more interesting than that. 
But I wanted to go back to a discussion point that has been around on this space about miners, because one of our investors is a mining pool, F2 pool, so the, the fourth largest mining pool. Their family office army invested in our project. We initially met them through buying rare sats off of them. And so they're like very few of the miners in Asia who have a good enough understanding of what rare sats are, why they're valuable, and actually took action to extract rare sats from the mining pool they have. China used to have 60% of the world's hash rate on Bitcoin, right? And since the government banned it in 2019, that has expanded just went all over the world. It's not in China anymore, but it's all over the world. But a lot of them are still owned by Chinese entities and business owners. A lot of these business owners, they don't speak English. They just buy GPU and mine quietly. And they're not very vocal about the upgrades that's happening to Bitcoin or the entire ecosystem that's blowing up. Like I was on a space earlier today and some people were saying that miners knew about Taproot Upgrade and what this can do, what this enables way before Ordinals came out. And nobody said anything because miners were just very quiet about these innovations that happen or innovation is not really something that they tend to go after. And so even now, like even today, I was at a meeting with some miners and some Chinese miners. They, some of them understood, like some of them heard about rare sats. A lot of them don't even know that rare sats exist. So never mind going to actually extract them and to make money from them. And they're very interested in this Bitcoin ecosystem, but they're more interested on the side of POW type of asset generation, something that preferably they can mine with their current GPUs so that it's not something they really have to think too much about. It's just something that they can just click a switch and they just use their GPU to mine something, just install a simple program. But the good news is there are miners that are making moves like Bitmain hired a few hundred more people to, you can see it as like a, a way to combat or like to be ready for the upcoming bull market, or they're just getting more involved with mining and how mining would be a bigger part of the ecosystem than they used to be. One last point I wanted to make was that, so in addition to what I said about language being a barrier of like international communities, it's not just Chinese. Like I was spoken to a Korean market about BRC20s and introducing our project. They're super interested. We did an IDO with Alex on Stacks and it was 81 times oversubscribed. So many people from the Korean market bought into the IDO, but after the IDO, you know, they didn't trade the BRC20 on any Bitcoin platforms. And the feedback we got from the community influencers was they prefer EVM-based assets that they can trade using their Ethereum wallets or whatever they're familiar with to buy and sell assets before. So even if we tell them you can buy this on OKX, you can buy this on Unisat, you can buy it on Magic Eden, they simply wouldn't do it. Or it's not something that naturally flows into a new set of products. So I think with language barrier, it is much harder to break than it looks on the surface. And so that's the FT side. On the NFT side, I would say it's both languages and culture, right? So NFT is about culture. I think we all agree on that. And there's so much great culture that's happening from this side of the world and from this, particularly in this group of people, where you guys are at the bleeding edge of what's happening on the uh, Ordinals uh, tech side, right? But I think a lot of the cultural element is very difficult to bridge the language and culture gap to Asian markets. For instance, like Taproot Wizard is a perfect example. I took a shower. A lot of the influencers that speak English and understand the jokes take the shower, but 
it's very hard to convey the reason for taking a shower and the OP cat, um, I would call it a movement that's happening right now. And the sandwich jokes you guys were telling, it is so hard to bring jokes and humor like it's the hardest thing to translate, right? To bridge that to like the Asian audience. I tried, like Taproot Wizards, like the hottest project. You guys should definitely get involved, but you need to take a shower. And I was like, what? I have to take a shower. Why is this? I have to post a video about it. It's just the way to drive, to bring together a community is super different across cultures. Like in, in the Asian cultures, communities form instantly when you have any asset that will pump, like it could be an FT or NFT um, or any new innovation that has a strong narrative, like an X of Y of like on another chain or something, they would instantly get it, instantly form it together. But trying to do a cultural movement in that market, it's super, super hard. And on this point, I just wanted to commend Trevor for Ninja Alert. It's one of the more like a Western founders project. I know Trevor, you lived in China for many years, so you understand that the cultural difference. But you guys made a really big effort to engage with the Chinese communities, the alpha groups. And there is like a huge, I would say many alpha groups and a lot of interest for Ninja Alerts because Trevor made the effort to engage. And also the way that Ninja Alerts whitelists were distributed is through doing tasks. <laughs> this is going to sound funny. Doing tasks and rank on a leaderboard. <laughs> like that really hits the spot for Chinese audiences. So they get it, right? And they really just engage with the activities and to get their friends involved. But at the same time, though, when you do that, you run to the problem with lots of bots and you have a lot of people who are flippers with multiple accounts. And I know Trevor, you made a lot, you commit a lot of time, both your personal time and your team's time to like filter out the bots and the flippers and to not give them the whitelist, which is really great, but you have to spend so much more time doing that. I hope the result is something that you're satisfied with. And I know that at least Ninja Alerts is a very popular project among the Chinese community. So for the effort you put in, I hope that you're satisfied with the results. So lastly, I just want to say that Asia definitely has a huge inflow of capital into the entire Web3 ecosystem and crypto. Bitcoin Magazine is doing their Asia conference this year in Hong Kong for the first time ever. They will do Nashville and they'll also do a Hong Kong conference. They just announced it today, about 12 hours ago. And they met with the Hong Kong government, who's very supportive of them bringing it over. I think we're expecting like 10,000, 20,000 people to show up for this conference. It's going to be very big. Like all the alpha groups, all the media are going to cover it and just going to be a lot of effort to promote the event and to get people together. And I think it's going to be a really great opportunity to, for anyone who haven't really seen this part of the market, I would strongly encourage you to come for this event in May. We definitely need to talk about Asia a bit more and we're going to continue to talk about Asia in the weeks and months to come because I will quote Erin. I was listening to the Hell Money pod and she literally said, Asia is ordinals. Erin, is that true? Why did you say that? Yeah, so we went to Singapore in September and then we were in Taiwan for Sora Summit in December. And I came away from both of those trips with my mind just completely blown. Wow, this is a whole different ecosystem here. This is a whole different understanding of Bitcoin and ordinals and its magnitudes larger, both in terms of number of people and amount of capital. And <laughs> it was just a really like eye-opening experience. 
And yeah, it's just interesting, like the different narratives, especially around ordinals. Asia is more interested in the tokens aspect. I think it's really easy to get caught in your own algorithmic bubble and think that's the main narrative. And then you go somewhere else and you realize that they have their own narrative and they don't know anything about your narrative. And you both are existing on the same platform, working with the same technology, and you have completely different cultures and ecosystems around it. But it's really cool. One thing that I really love about the Asian ordinals culture is that they don't have this god guns, whatever, maxi Bitcoin thing going on. And anyone who's into Bitcoin, that's great to them. And it's not such a weird cultural divide the way that it is in the US. And I, I love that because ultimately, at the end of the day, I just want people to use Bitcoin. And I think also a lot of people in Asia understand kind of the value of having sovereign money in a way that Westerners are just not they just don't have to care about. They might care about it as like an ideological interest, but it's not something that they actually have to interface with on a day-to-day economic level. I was very bullish on ordinals in Asia after my two trips and definitely looking forward to going to Asia again in 2024.